Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Guys, okay, so the direction to share a little bit about myself uh, is going to be hard because I'm not a big fan of doing that while I'm up here. But I will give you a quick introduction, and then I do have a message for you, and I really want to dive in uh, because part of my conviction is... I take this thing up here really, really seriously uh, by the way that I live my life out there. And so I, I think they're deeply connected, what you do in private, what you do in public. And so I want to introduce myself just so that we get to know each other. So let's just do an informal handshake. I'm Ryan and you are. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the participation. Uh, you're going to get to know me a little bit more through video. And I still love participation. All know I don't hear you. I'm going to now see your guys' faces whenever I think about Cornerstone. So I hope you're wearing a good outfit because that's just ingrained in my mind right now. It's just what you're going to be wearing. So I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you guys, both Sam, Stella, fantastic stuff. Um, I want to share uh, a little bit of uh, what I just sort of feel of the church. And then I, I do, I want to get into the message. But during worship, just a couple things that I, I really felt like I wanted to share with you in a, in a prophetic sense. One is that I feel like you guys are going to be known for your healing. There's going to be healing elements that are going to come in and through this church where the relationships that you guys are going to be having, praying for people and ministering, loving, discipling, uh, just sitting with people and counseling, uh, having lunch and coffee, and just sharing what God's doing in your life, truths of the gospel that are being released from your life to other people, are going to be healing agents where they're going to walk away from lunch or coffee or dinner or, or even gatherings at your house. They're going to walk away feeling more life, more free, and they're not going to know, but, but you are walking away. They got healed. Emotional healing. Uh, there's physical healings that are going to be coming, but m some of the most m more important deliberate healings that we need to be seeing is uh, the healings of the soul. Healings of lies that people just have, have uh, been believing for way too long and that just continue to ride them to less than what God's created them to be. Are you, are you following? And, and there's emotional scars about the wounds and the history that we all have that God's going to be using you as a church to really deliberately set people free in a really powerful way. And it's not gonna, here's the cool thing. It's not going to be showy. It's going to be very relational, undercurrent. Let me just, in worship, it's going to maybe be happening in worship where these, these truth-oriented lyrics that you're going to be proclaiming, you're just going to, you're not going to know, you're going to start singing them, but you're singing them in an atmosphere that's conducive for somebody else to heal it. Uh, are you guys familiar with Acts 16? Paul and Silas were worshiping to God and other people were set free, come on somebody, by their worship. I, I feel like I just want to encourage you guys in that. The, and the last thing, you know, we, Randy can speak to this a lot more than I can. We, you know, we go into a lot of churches where they, they have issues. And I just want to let you know, I, I may be the bearer of bad news, but you have some issues here at the church. Here's one big one that I just want to share with you guys. Some churches are just booming with people and, and they don't have enough seats. Right? They're just like, the building is way too small for the people that are in there. And I know you're looking around, you're like, think we have a lot of seats, so maybe our problem is the other way. Your problem is actually not. This building is actually too small for you guys. I expected the challenge to go out in Easter and invite people to come back to. More people are going to be here for Easter. 
But your issue is, will you guys be ready and willing to expand to what God gives you? Because this bill, you guys need to get ready for what God's going to start to do in this place because it's just too small. Uh, there's, there's, there's not enough seats. You, just, you, you, need, to, you need to bring them in. There's this, seat, this section over here is going to be filled up. This section over here, all of them is going to be filled up. Because, like, hey, what about... Now, this, this is where it may step on your toes. You have a seat that... I've only been here one time, but I know you have a seat that you sit in. Some people might... Somebody might get in here before you, like a guest, and you're like... <laughs> you, you might think in your head, that's my seat. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Now, listen, I'm just... I'm going to pass this little wisdom on. I'm going to get to the message. But this is, this is an opportunity for, for Paul tells you to crucify the flesh. That's when you just die to yourself and sit somewhere else. <laughs> Park somewhere else. All that stuff is an adjustment to welcome in people who need the healing, who need the gospel, and need the presence of God. All right, so that's all. That's all. All right. Um, Randy said I had an hour to preach. Is that right? Is that... Come on, don't give me that. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Okay, here we go, here we go. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open them up, open them up, or the digital version, go to Matthew chapter 28, last words Jesus in the book of Matthew, uh, want to get on a, a real near and dear topic that we've been talking about at our church. I want to uh, give it to you guys and understand you, you're already in this. So you, you've been on this topic of discipleship, you're continuing to do it. Um, my man Virgil is going to come up next week and, and, uh, and clean up my mess. So, hey, listen, if, if you're new here, don't leave after the, I'm not the pastor. I just, they, I just asked me to come in here. We're connected relationally. I love this church. Randy has been here a lot. I haven't been here as much as him, but, but the stories and the relationships uh, that I am connected to here uh, runs deep. So I just appreciate you guys having me in. Uh, but make sure you guys come back. Virgil's going to crush it next week. Uh, I, I want to talk about the presence of God. You guys enjoy that? Enjoy the presence of God. I don't know if that if if you've put language on it, but that's what you desire. If you've ever gotten into drugs, you've ever get, been addicted to alcohol, you've be, ever been addicted to the lust of pornography, if you've ever been desiring to be dependent on something else to please you, your soul is aching and crying out for the only thing that, in a free, pure, clean sense will set you free and settle you in at home, which is what the Bible calls the presence of God. And it's cool because even the news right now is popping up in moments where you hear about revival being in the air. I don't know if you guys are familiar about what's going on with Asbury University, how Asbury University had just a, they had a chapel service, much like you guys. You're supposed to have a start and a stop time. They just didn't stop. They went for days and days and days and weeks and weeks and weeks. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, people just all over the United States would come in and just get a taste of what was happening, what God was doing in Asbury. And then they would go back to their own city in the States and just bring that. Other universities, uh, at that point, but they were two weeks strong, they said 14 other university campuses had also experienced revival-type meetings where they just didn't stop. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but don't you think like, hey, what about me? Heck on. I'm not in university, I'm not in the college, but what about my house? Did you guys ever think about that? That's your desire and your draw, not necessarily for the revival idea, but for the presence of God. And that's what we are made for. God created you in the image to be in a relationship with Him. That's the purpose of why you're alive. So I don't know if you're 
coming here this morning, you're thinking, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? I'm, I'm going to give it to you right now. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's to be in a relationship with God. When you're in a relationship with the one who created you, the things that God puts inside of you start to awaken so that you can actually live on purpose. Every single day you, you wake up not for the purpose of your job or your money or your retirement or what's going to be in the future. You wake up by the mercy of God to find out what your Father wants and created you to be. And that's when you come alive. That's when you start to recognize, this is why I'm alive. Whatever you're going to do, seek first the kingdom. Everything else is just an addition. And it will be added to you after. So the presence of God is, is this life-giving facet of reviving and renewing our soul. And I want to talk about how we can be more inundated with the presence of God in our life. And it's right there in Matthew chapter 28. So let me just read it really quick. Matthew chapter 28, uh, 18 through 20. Just a couple of verses. I'm going to spend my entire time and I, I may interject uh, on a couple other ones just to add to. This is going to be our, our primary time here. Matthew 28. Popular words if you've ever been in church before. Uh, but this is what he said in verse 18. Oh man, you guys are good. You already have it up there. Verse 18. This is Jesus. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, behold, I need to catch your attention. He says, don't, don't miss this. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Revival is sustained through discipleship. Revival is not an isolated act where you just sit at home and seek God and don't facilitate community and relationship. We, we would all desire just to sit in our own secret place and just get into a Bible study, write lots of notes, get some revelation from God, have an encounter, enjoy the presence of God in solitude, but then maybe miss out on the participation of church or small group or having lunch with people, having people over. But, but here, God says the two are intricately connected. Make disciples. All right, I got you. What does that look like? We'll talk about that in a second. But how do you do that? Listen, behold, I am with you. You want to find my presence? It's in the accompaniment of my people and my believers. You gather around people that are not like you, different nations, different backgrounds, different futures, different callings, and you get together and you enjoy the presence of God in a community sense. God's presence is stirring us individually just for the benefit of everybody else. Did you guys catch that? Listen, your ability to become more like Christ, the, uh, the surrender that you give over inside of your own life so that God can provide victory over your soul is for the benefit of the people that you're in relationship with. If you're married, the freedom that God wants to give you, the healing, the transformation, the maturity that God wants to bring you into is for the benefit of your spouse. It's for the benefit of your kids. It's for the benefit of your coworkers. It's for the benefit of your neighbors. It's for the benefit of your friends and your family members. Are you catching this? This is what God says. You want to know my presence? You want to experience the fullness of who I am? 
don't live in isolation. Live in the context of relationship, but have a relationship with me. This is what God's asking us to do. And so I, I, I have this um, uh, Loveless gave a definition of revival. Can, can you guys just check this out? I love this. Revival is not a special season of extraordinary religious excitement like tent meetings or Sunday morning when you have great worship by Stella and the team and you're like, that's it, I've arrived. Come on, somebody. I've been to heaven. That was awesome. No preaching necessary. We can just go home. That, that's, not, that's not revival. That's just one piece of the appetite that just needs to keep sustained. Listen, if you guys are only bank on your spiritual maturity and, and your feeding on Sunday morning, then you're, we're just going to get overweight for a day, but then get undernourished for the week. We, we need to continue this. So this is what Loveless says. Revival is not a special season of extraordinary religious excitement. Rather, it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit which restores people of God, listen to this, to the normal spiritual life. I don't know about you, but if you've ever read through the Gospels and you've read through Jesus, Jesus was a very normal guy doing a day-to-day walk-to-walk from village to village, but everybody was drawn to Him. You know, the, the people who were rich and the people who were poor... Men, women, children, old age, doesn't matter. Everybody was drawn to them. That's revival. Just normal. Jesus is like, I'm just doing, I'm doing my normal thing. I'm going to eat here, going to see a friend over this way, going to visit yeah, some family members over in this village. And what happens? Ministry comes out of it. Healing comes out of it. Why? Because He loved people. And He recognized He was from heaven. He was fully man and fully God. He was from heaven. And everybody that was drawn to Him, He knew it wasn't for the man, Jesus. It was for the Holy Spirit inside of Him. So let me just give you some news. The people that are drawn to you are drawn to you because of your relationship with God. So you can get over your ego and think, man, I'm just, an, I'm just awesome. That's why people want to... I don't want to be the bearer of bad news on a second route, but let me just, let me just do it again. And again, Virgil's going to clean this all up next week. But people, people are not as drawn to you as you think. People are drawn to you because of the presence of God inside of you. The moment that you recognize what you have to offer is eternal value. And if we can start actually living out to crucify the flesh, to get over ourselves and just meet with that person, see their need, and do what Jesus says in Philippians 2, put their interest above your own, you start to get out of the way and you can see clearly in people's lives and start to love them, encourage, speak life into them, and all of a sudden they start to come alive. You know what happens is they keep calling you. They keep coming back. Hey, can we do coffee again? I just I was full of life when I left you. Why? Because the Jesus inside of me stirred you up. Matthew 28. I want to talk about what this looks like. How we can sustain the presence of God through discipleship. And if you're not familiar with this idea of discipleship, I have a working definition if you just want to think about this or if you want to write it down. Discipleship is whenever the people of God gather around the presence of God with the Word of God on mission for God. It's when, it's when uh, we, not just on a Sunday, come on, we can, we can do this wherever. Can I, can I just tell you a quick version of this? You think this is church. Started at 10.30 and it's going to last whenever I get done preaching, which is about an hour. No, I'm kidding. Come on, come on. You think, you think that's discipleship. Well, this, is, this is where you do it. It's in the physical building. We do a couple songs of worship. Someone gets up here. Jason announces. And then, and then you do the message. And you go home. That's church. That's not church in a religious sense. It is. But look, can I just tell you, 
Pastor Randy and I just had a three-hour, somehow, drive uh, in the morning to, to get here this morning. Can I just tell you, we did church in a car. We, we did a church in a 2008 Honda Civic. Come on, somebody. We were driving and we were talking about what God's doing in and around our life. We quoted Scripture. We were more aware of the presence of God. We worshiped. We were just thankful. God, as we stir this up, God, we're just thankful. This is your ability to work out our life. And, and we get reminded in Hebrews, you're the author of my life. Come on, somebody. Give him the pen. Just say, write it. What's today going to look like? What's tomorrow? That's church. That's church. When two or three are gathered in agreement upon my name, God says, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. We, we, we have to re- recognize that the limitless possibilities of the presence of God in our life don't, do not just get formed around a gathering on a Sunday morning. And when we are discipling, this is what it looks like. Discipleship is whenever the people of God gather around the presence of God with the Word of God on mission for God. Don't leave out the last part because a lot of people will gather, oh God, we love your presence, we'll read some more, and then that's it. And leave the nations untouched. Leave our neighborhood without the gospel. And that is not what Jesus' plan is. I'm going to get into that in a second, but we have to be on mission. That's why these seats are so important. These buildings, it's so good that we have a lot more classroom for kids and also for, for our middle school and our high schools and also for people to come in here. Why? Because more people need to be in a family where they belong, set free, and on a mission and a purpose that is life-giving. Matthew 28 How do we disciple? Jesus gives us these words. All authority in heaven and on earth was given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm going to be with you until my plan is finished. So, I don't know about you, but there's this big question. If we're talking about making disciples... You don't have to raise your hand, but I do want some participation. Do you feel qualified to make disciples? Yeah, good. Some people are like, hmm, let me think about that. Some people are like, quick, no. <laughs> uh, so, and I don't, I'm not calling out anybody, but somebody said yes. But th- this, is, this is normal. In a group our size, there might be like one or two. Let me just tell you who it is. It's Sam. It's Virgil. It's Pastor Randy. Come on, somebody. It's, it's used as a handful of people. Like, when we talk about discipleship or the church going, we just kind of move it to the people who are in charge. Can I just tell you, that's religion. And that is not what this church is about. The heart of this thing is about living out the Word of God. If it says it in the Bible, it's true. Are you with me? If it's different in the context of how we live our life, there's a gap. Then what do we do with the gap? We pray, verse 20, the presence of God to come in and bridge the gap. We need your help. Why? Because we're not living to the context of your word. Okay, so what do we do? What do we do? How are we qualified? Here's the question. It's a million dollar question. If we're supposed to go make disciples, I don't feel qualified to make disciples. Because of my, and think of the reason. My past. I don't have enough knowledge. I'm not as far as long as I should be. Uh, I'm too busy. Or... Right, there's more reasons. Just fill in the blanks, fill in the blanks, fill in the blanks, fill in the blanks. I'm not qualified. Okay, but I'm, I'm just stark reality. So you're saying that your reality 
is more important than God's truth. That's, that's what we do. That's what we do. Oh, you know, just, yeah, fill in the blank. Oh, well, you know, just... Well, the, Jesus told us, make disciples. Nah, I'm not qualified. So he's wrong. So, so he's wrong. Okay, so now that the harsh realities are out of the way, l- let, me, let me tell you something. You are already making disciples. Here's the scary part. That is, it's scary. you have influence on people through social media, through your neighborhood, through your coworkers, maybe you're a boss overseeing employees. You have influence over people. You are informing and influencing and changing their minds and their thoughts and their lifestyle based on them watching you. That's just how humanity works. We influence one another and we are influenced by other people. You're already making disciples, but the question is, are we making disciples that look more like Jesus? Okay, so here it is. We all don't feel qualified. Now the reality sets in. We're already making disciples, but we just don't know if they're Jesus' disciples. Now here's the point. And I bring you this tension for a reason. It's because here, in, in two verses, Jesus actually gives out the very practicum of how we are supposed to walk out discipleship. So if I don't feel qualified, in, in, in a scary sense, I'm already discipling some people, how do I do it? Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. This is the very first thing that I want to give you. Verse 20 says, I want you to teach them. Who's them? The people that God's given you. You know, you, you guys have been saying, fill the city with Jesus. So, uh, Grace Church, we have this idea that our city is our place of influence. It's where God has already placed you. You have relationships that I don't have. You have relationships that this side of the room doesn't have. You have relationships that this side of the room doesn't have. Why? Because God plans on filling that area with the presence of God in and through you. And so here it is. I want you to make disciples. God, I'm not qualified. Okay, just listen to this. Here's how I want you to do it. Teach them, the people that I've already given you, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Notice he didn't say, teach them everything that I've given to your pastor. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, teach them everything that you learned from your Bible study. You know, because your Bible study, he's doing a great job. But that curriculum, take that and give it to your neighbor. That's That's not what Jesus said. He said, I want you to teach them, the people that God's given you already, you're in relationship with them, all that I've commanded you. The commandments of God are not suggestions. We reorder our life around the very Word of God because we're not just hearers of the Word, we're doers of the Word. When we start doing the Word of God, we're transformed in the context of community. That's God's design. That's his intent. That's why so many people in this world are living in isolation. Because you can't be transformed into the image of God alone. So many people are like, hey, listen, I, I love Jesus, but I just don't like the church. I'm just going to stay at home. I'm going to do church online. I'm, just gonna do, I have, I'm so spiritual, so I'm just going to be at home. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. There's so many commandments, so many promises that are given to you and me only in the context of other people. There's a grace that's distributed when we get together. Okay, so here's your qualification. Here is verse 20, making disciples. Give what God's given you. Give what God's given you. Let me just ask you, have you ever read the Bible and gotten anything out of it? Give it away. 
Have you ever listened to a message that has stirred you up? Give it away. Not necessarily just you know sharing the podcast or sharing the message. Take the message. Once you internalize it, start giving it away. How? Can I say so practical? This is how you distribute and change a culture. Through conversation. Through conversation. Make it the norm and the natural. Remember, revival is not a special meeting. It's restoring our souls back to the normal Christian life. That's revival. What would it look like for you to sit down and, and do three hours of a Netflix binge? Just inundated. Just, yep, next episode. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm on a cliff. i got to finish it. Boom. You just, whoo, that was awesome. And then you leave. Listen, this has happened. This has happened. And then you leave, and the next day, what do you talk about? That. Have you seen the next episode? Yeah. But did you finish season two? Mm-mm. Oh, ooh, ooh, season two. And then I finished season three. Season three? Yeah. Yeah, stayed up. Stayed up. Because you get fit. Listen, listen. You give with what you get filled with. So just let it spill out. That's what Jesus says. Whatever the abundance of your heart, the, the mouth ends up speaking. Just have it be normal conversation. You can start talking about the weather. Weather's good, yes. Have you ever read about when Jesus calmed the storm? No. Let me tell you about that. That stuck out in my devotionals two days ago. I don't know why. Just, just tell the story. Man, bro, it's, it's cool. God is powerful over even the storms and, and the natural. Yeah, I guess so. It's in uh, Mark chapter 4. You should go check it out. You just, it's like seven degrees of separation. Just connect it because it's the overflow of your, of your heart. Because what you're filled with, you end up giving with. Okay, so now let me just rewind the, the clock. Let me ask you a question. God's called all of us to make disciples of all nations. Anybody feel qualified? Yeah, now everybody's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> wait, wait, my teaching's not done. Wait, wait, don't, don't go out the door. Don't go out the door yet. Hey, we, how do we make disciples? We give, come on somebody, what we've been given. Philippians 2 says, have you found any encouragement with Christ? Anybody been encouraged with Jesus? Has, has there been a worship song that has been truth? Has there been a setting free of your soul? Give it away. We sang about it just a second ago. There's a connection between victory and authority. The victory that God has given you in your soul, you now have authority to go share that. This is powerful because we need, to, we need more people to hang on and to recognize their authority that they have been given because of the blood of Jesus to go out and make a difference in your world. And you don't have to be an extrovert to do this. You can be an introvert. You can stay at home. You can be a remote worker that just hangs out at the home most of the time and still influence nations. Make disciples of all nations. All right, so here we go. Let's just go through this. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Can I just put um, these, these two words? All authority. All authority should be bolded. All authority. Jesus tells a truth through John previously, and he says that this world is over the influence of the evil one. First John chapter 5. <laughs> that's like, it, even if you didn't know that was in the Bible, you could just watch the news and be like, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Your theology comes from the orientation of the rest of society telling you, hey, something's not right here, guys. Something is definitely not right. And a lot of people say, well, there's suffering out here. How can you believe in a God who allows the suffering? Don't worry. God is so good, so powerful, so sovereign. 
that there's not one small piece of this earth, past, present, and future, that He's going to let go, that He won't make right every wrong that has been given. Because what is done in secret, come on somebody, will be exposed. Now, we, we don't do justice on our own to be like, all right, let's, let's go make sure we go. No, no, you just leave room for the wrath of God. That's in uh, Romans. We leave room for the justice of God. God, I don't know how you're going to clean this up, but I trust that you're doing it. One of, the we, one of the ways that he does it is in and through his ordinary people. Like this was his plan from the get-go. Whenever Jesus came down as fully God and fully man, you know what he did to restore and renew all of society? He chose 12 dudes. What a plan. I don't know about you, but I think it's a little bit broken. Anybody seen The Chosen? Yeah, you seen The Chosen? If you haven't seen The Chosen, go see The Chosen. And, and that'll just give you a, a, a facial, visual picture on how messed up these 12 individuals are. Like, just a bunch of like, boy, you chose him? I think I was better. No, I probably wasn't better. You know what I mean? You're thinking, what? Come on, this is a, this is a, this is a flawed plan at best, God. You got our God, the one that is over heaven and earth, coming down 12, 12 disciples. Come on, we're going to go fix the, the entire world. We, we are. We got issues within the own group. They're arguing about who the greatest is. Bunch of pride being, you know, manifest of you. Yes, you walked on water for a minute, but then you sank. Let me remind you. you know, there's, a, there's a lot of these conversations probably going back and forth in these disciples. Man, oh man, I can't tell you. And then here we are, the next 12, right? You know what I mean? That's just what we do. This is the, well, we're the next 12. God, you, are you sure? Yes. Listen, this is a side note to this. Read Psalm 115.16. The heaven and the highest heavens is God's, but earth has been given over to you and I. What a responsibility. What a responsibility. I, I, I've told our church before, it's, I have, um, we have three kids. My wife and I have been married for 14 years, coming up on 15 this year. We have an 11, 8, and 3-year-old. 11, 8, and 3. It would be like giving our 11, 8, and 3-year-old keys to my car and keys to the house, saying we're going to be gone on vacation for two weeks and be like, hey, you guys good? Hey, have fun. We're out. That's like Jesus leaving and saying, hey, I'm giving you the entire earth. Now go make disciples of all nations. You good? All right, I'm out. Yeah, I'll be back, but no, just not tomorrow. I'm like, what are you thinking? This is your plan? That's my plan. But don't worry, my presence is with you. My presence is with you. This impossible task. Yeah, to do what? To renew and restore humanity is in and through discipleship. This broken-looking piece called the church, called family. That's how he does it. We need to get over ourselves, crush our ego, kill sin, so that we can be together in unison to go show those people out there that we are one. Because God says when we're one, everybody else will know that he was sent. That's John 17. All authority has been given to me. Okay, so let me just finish this up. Authority was given to him in heaven. That's not arguable. It's pretty obvious. Authority and influence was over the, the evil one of earth. But after the cross, <laughs> after the cross, see, Satan came in because of sin, but Satan was destroyed because of no sin. He who had no sin became sin so that you and I could become the full-blown righteousness on the earth, so now we are sent out carrying the very presence of God. So now, th- these are striking words. 
That, now he says, all authority has been given to me. No, no, I got that. In heaven. Yeah, yeah, that's, I've read my Bible. In heaven. And on earth. Oh, on earth too? Now, I've been given authority. And so when your boss comes to you, hey, I just became your boss. What do they have? They have authority. Now, when I tell you to do something, oh, yeah, I could lose my job. Jesus now comes to us. Says, hey, guys, good news. What is it? I have authority in heaven. Well, you've always had that. Now I have authority on earth. Whew. All right, now we're talking. What's the cleanup plan? And, and you, the disciples were thinking, you're going to take out Rome, aren't you? Yeah, that's a good idea. Just take them out, military style. So is there a new military that's coming? Are you just going to open up the heavens? The angel army is going to come down? Just No? Mm-mm. Sons of Thunder. Remember that? You're like, just call fire. That's a great plan. Let's go. Jesus, you're not doing that? That's not my plan. And it's also not to resurrect an educational system. Jesus didn't say, hey, my plan, now that I have authority on heaven and earth, now what I'm going to do is a new educational system. So everybody's going to be inundated with new mind thinking, new, renewed mind. So then we can go out. No, that's not, it's not education. I know. It's business. It's a new business. Small businesses get propped up, large business, and then we start taking over in the economy. No, that's not it either. Okay, I'm out of ideas. What is it? The way that I'm going to restore, renew all of humanity is through relationships. It's through this design called family. So go make disciples. Okay. All right. So when you sit down to eat, you're making disciples. When you go to work, you're making disciples. Right when you wake up, when you get on your phone, throughout your day, who you interact with, you are making disciples. Now we see that as the impossible endeavor to restore the rest of humanity because that's what God's given you jurisdiction on. If you're here in the Lynchburg area and you have physical lands, then you have given, you have been given by God an authority that is now influence over this area. So you have a right, because of the blood of Jesus, to go walk out your life. This is what God's given you. Okay, so let's just go back to it. Verse 18. Go, therefore, and make disciples. All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. So now, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go. Listen to this word, go. This word, go. It is the language of Scripture to move. The language of Scripture is a, is a twofold word. And I want you to think about this. It's in um, Matthew chapter 13. I want you to imagine your life like a plot of land. You're, you're not necessarily, I think a lot of people think that uh, the journey of Christianity is a journey and, and it's a trail. It's pretty wide. A lot of people can take it different paths. But, you know, it's, there's a start place and an end place. And you think about journey as you just pass by cities, you pass by people, you pass by uh, opportunities. I don't want you to think like that. I want you to think of it like a journey, like there's a plot of land. And God is going to move you around that plot of land. But he says, wherever I've planted you, cultivate faithfulness. Come on, are you with me? There is something about staying put, being loyal, letting your roots grow, and not being moving from one thing, one place to the other. I don't like this church. Well, I should go to another one. Have you ever done that with family? I mean, wait, let me take that back. Have you ever wanted to do that with family? Man, this one's just not really, this one's broken. Come on, let me go get another one. No, this is not a choice. You have to hold the last name. This is what we've been given. This jurisdiction by God has been given to us 
so that we can go make disciples. How do we do it? We remain faithful and loyal right where we're called. In our job, in our marriage, come on somebody, in our gender that God has given us, in our relationship that God has designed, in the people that we are attached to, in our city, we remain faithful with what God has given us and we cultivate His relationships and His faithfulness all throughout our lives so that we can continue to go. Where do we need to go? Go. Anybody have a, a land or house that they take care of? There's always projects to do, isn't there? You get done with one project, I fix the plumbing. Whew, glad that's over. Now the HVAC needs it. Oh, man. Well, now we're doing a project outside. Good, we do some landscape. Now we do do a project inside. I mean, if you own a house or even rent, there is always something to do. Now, there, there is a correlation inside Scripture where the house is correlated to your soul. Your soul or the land. Your, your soul is like a land that you need to cultivate. Put seeds into, plant, cultivate. You need to build the house. Continue to maintain it. So here Jesus says, you want to make disciples? Here's how to do it. I want you to give everything that I've given you, making sure that the people around you are growing because you're growing. If you continue to go, if you continue to move, if you continue to mature, and you keep, hey, follow me as I'm following Jesus. Follow me as I'm following Jesus. They're growing. Why? Because you're growing. John Maxwell says there's a a leadership lid principle that he teaches. Same thing in discipleship. You're only going to be able to walk people through the very things that God's given you victory on. If you've ever been healed from cancer, you now have the authority to go attach yourself from other people who have cancer and declare it in Jesus' name to start to be gone. I'm free and healed from cancer. Why? For the benefit of others. This is what God's given me. Now I proclaim. I'm speaking it over you. I know where you are in your season. I know what you're coming up. I know the hopelessness that you're feeling. I know the aches of your physical body. I know the chemo that you're going through. I know what your family's feeling. And so you get the ability to walk in relationship and speak life and pray over them in the name of Jesus. Why? Because you just walk through what they are walking through. You're get, come on, somebody. You're giving away what God's already given you. Okay, now let's keep going. Are you guys with me? I, I need to keep going, but I, uh, all authority, Jesus says, be given to me, heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and next word, make. Make. Go, therefore, and make disciples. You know, this word make is not an automatic word. Don't you wish it was? Let me order three disciples. Boop. Yes. Or just pray it in. Lord, I need three amazing kids right now. In the name of Jesus, my, my prayer language is going to speak it in. I need to go to their bedrooms. God's not answering my prayers yet. <laughs> yeah. You would love for this thing to be automatic. Come on, who wouldn't? You, know, you would love for maturity just to be something like a vending machine. Have you guys seen Matrix? You know, the idea of Matrix? It would be awesome if we were in a world where all you had to do is order it and just download it. I want to learn Kung Fu. Boom. Yeah, I want to be a, a better husband. Boom. It's just, it would be automatic. And a lot of people, I kind of joke, a lot of people think Christianity is like that. You come in, you encounter the power of God, you get saved. Yes, I want everything, God. I want everything. And then you leave church and like, I don't feel any tinglies. I don't feel overwhelmed. No warm and fuzzies. What's going on? Am I changed yet? You know, you ask somebody else, is this it? No, this is not it. This is not it. Why? Because we get glimpses of the reality of heaven inside of us. But the fullness isn't going to come until later. But just because the fullness isn't until later doesn't mean we stop aching over the presence of God and the fullness of His promises now. So what do we have to do? Make. 
continue to make. Hey, when someone says, will you make me lunch? What do they say? Will you make my bed? Will you make room? This is a, it has to be intentional. There's function. There's plan. Has to, you have to see it on your calendar. You have to see it in your paycheck. Come on, somebody. It takes finances. It takes endeavors. It takes investment. Why? Because you're making. This is the collaboration. God has a brilliant idea that He will see finished because no uh, word will come back to Him void. And there's a collaboration of you and I on earth collaborating with the very presence of God to see the reality of heaven for His kingdom to come right here on earth. Come on. Just as it is in heaven. Okay, so let me get to this. And i got to speed through. i got to speed through. Okay, so in the middle of this whole thing, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And then he, t- he talks about this academic thing. Make disciples. Make disciples on the top. Look at this. On the top end, on verse 18. And then on, on, the, on the bottom end, in verse 20. I'm going to tell you a, a theological concept called hermeneutics. How to study the Bible. Always study the Bible. Find clarity in Scripture through other Scripture. If you ever wonder what it says inside of Scripture, don't have a knee-jerk reaction to go to Google. (laughs) What you'll find, let me tell you, what you'll find on Google is exactly what you're looking for. If you want to find it, you'll find it. Like, I I want this verse to mean that. All right, just go look it up. Sure enough, somebody says it means that. That's not true. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Let Scripture clarify Scripture. So let's just read it in context. So what I mean by that is, uh, if you look at verse 19, you have to read verse 18 and 20. Okay? So now, if you see up here, in verse 19, Jesus says, Baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But verse 18 is talking about making disciples. Right? You learn as teacher, professor, classroom. And then, and then on the back end, verse 20, give away everything I've commanded you, teaching them to observe all my... Discipleship on the front end, discipleship on the back end. And then in the middle, it's almost like Jesus says, before I forget, don't forget to get them wet. Baptize them. All right, listen, make disciples, that's my plan. Oh yeah, baptize them. And then, and then make sure to give away everything I have to say. Well, what's the deal? If we're taking this thing in context, listen, I think this is one, I think Jesus wants you to get baptized. Don't get me wrong. But I think one of the things that he is elaborating on is a visual image of what baptism is. And it's an immersion. It's a saturation. It's a picture of you diving into the deep end of a pool on a summer day and getting completely surrounded with water. That's baptizo, the Greek word submerged, surrounded. So Jesus then says, what does it look like to be a disciple? To be submerged in the presence of God. To be filled inside for your benefit, to be saturated with the anointing and the Holy Spirit for their benefit. Listen, we have baptisms. We're, we're literally doing baptisms right now at our campuses. And, and we have a Thursday night. We had like 12 or 15 people get baptized in just one service. It was incredible. Here's one of the traditions that we do. People get baptized, and we have all of our church come up and just give them a hug. We're like, man, your story touched me. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're stirring me on. And we just come and give them a hug. So if you come in dry with the people who are getting baptized, we end up hugging them and we get wet because they got baptized. Are you, are you following me? 
So what would it look like if every single time we gathered, not just Sunday, but during the week and in your car and on coffee, you just got so filled up with the presence of God and encouraged by other people, you would be sent out to your place of influence and you would hug and touch and influence and speak to everybody that they would get wet because of the presence of God in your life. Come on, are you getting the picture? I think this is more of what Jesus was talking about. I want you to be fully immersed, surrounded by the things of God. How do we do that? You don't let one category alone be influenced by the presence of God. So yes, your Sunday morning is influenced by God. That's great. Is your mind fully renewed by the presence of God? Is your finances? Is your marriage? Is your spare time? Is your future plans? Is your past? Is everything given over to the very presence of God where you're just filled and now you're overflowing and you're being soaking wet so you can go out there and touch people just by showing up. Amen. By showing up. Hey, man, give me a hug. Let's go do coffee. I am always encouraged when I leave you. Why? The presence of God inside of me is overflowing and it's spilling out. And sometimes I leak. <laughs> okay. All authority has been given to me to baptize, uh, therefore, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then, he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Listen to this word, observe. Make sure you teach, you give out, you give what I've given you. He, he uses this word observe, observe. In the Greek word, it's like taking something of value and locking it away in a safe and guarding it, making sure nobody touches that thing. If we were to give away money every single week here, you know who would come in? People who wanted money. If we were to give away money every single week, people who would come in here would be the greedy. I did it last week, but I want more. But the people who are here, if we keep giving out the faith word proclamation of the hearing of God, then the people that are going to come in here are hungry for God. Now, you think if we started giving away cash, just bills, just, all right, hey, thanks everybody for coming to church. We'd have like a swarm in, in people around here. What would they do with that money? Some of them would observe, store it away, keep it of value. What do you do with the Word of God? Do you guard it? Because you know the enemy knows exactly what he's going to do with the very words that you've been given. And if you don't sink it down deep, this is a parable of the sower, if you don't sink it down deep and let it come root in your life, influencing everything around you, then the enemy is going to come in and snatch it because it just sits on the surface. And some people, in their joy, will receive this word. Man, it's a good word. It's just so good. And just hold it and hold it, hold it, not do anything with it. You know what? This is what Jesus calls you. You wicked and lazy servant. You didn't do anything with what I gave you. Matthew chapter 25. At least go invest it. What's that word? What's this word supposed to do? It's supposed to be given out. So, what's the first thing you're doing? Observe it. Observe it. Keep it. Meditate on it. Hey, thanks for the reminder. We have journals for you guys. Uh, and we have them in the back. Maybe as they leave. Okay. We uh, a few weeks ago we gave journals out to you guys. The church did. If you if you, if you were not here or if you don't have a journal, highly recommend you grabbing one. They're on the table in back. You can grab one on the way out. This is one of the most practical ways that you can observe what God's saying and doing in your life. Write it down. Now, for the rest of you who don't write it down, I just assume you have a photographic memory and, and everything just gets stored away in the vault and you never forget it. But for the rest of us humans, we have to write things down 
and then regurgitate back over them. That's one of the things Randy and I did, just going back over our journal. What's God saying? Oh, man, yesterday he said this. Anybody remember what they ate for dinner last week, Wednesday? Mm -mm, No, you don't. Anyway, my point is, it doesn't matter if you remember it, it nourished you. The Word of God may not be on the tip of your tongue, but it's deep in your soul. Keep it upon your conversations. Observe this. All right, let me finish up. Let me finish up. Uh, Last two things I want to give you. Here's what he says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you. He says this word, all. All is, I've already hit on it before, all is a holistic term. Everything. God wants to encompass everything. All. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Do you know there's not one topic in here that makes you come fully alive that God hasn't already hit on yet? And the last is this. Make disciples an impossible endeavor to do something that you are never going to fulfill unless the very presence of God is with you. Doing this mission, doing this work, doing this relationship, all of a sudden brings the presence of God at a level in our place that we just get so encouraged and recognize we don't want to do this alone. We can't and we shouldn't do it alone. The presence of God increased when our relationships go deeper with one another. And therefore, we're making disciples, whatever we do, when we're at work, when we're in family, uh, uh, when, we go, when we go out to coffee, when we go get our groceries, when we just walk around, when we drive around, wherever we go, we make disciples because we just show up. We just show up. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to hand it over to Sam. Father, in the name of Jesus, you have commissioned us to go make disciples. I pray right now with the word that you have given us, with the authority that it holds, for us to be able to hide the word deep in our soul so that we can go out and make disciples of Lynchburg. Cornerstone would be known for its healing, for its welcoming, for its packed houses, for the influence in this place. But Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that it would be done through a sustained revival of discipleship. God, mature us so that we can give away what it is that you're giving us. Father, we're hungry for you. We're never satisfied with enough. We are so thankful for what you've given us. But God, give us more. In the name of Jesus, somebody said. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.